I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. When you open a cookbook, you expect to see a photograph of the food with the recipe on the opposite page. But imagine if you also saw something different, something completely unexpected, something that might inspire you. Oh, there's a classic. There's well, some, I don't know, like there's one opposite the chicken and milk, isn't it, where the hands look like they've been dipped in custard. Somehow it works as a combo, doesn't it? And the one with someone disappearing into the round chair in front of the crostata is really nice. I do love the pink telephone with the sorbet because that picture, that pink telephone had found a home and it just, it, it, it is exactly where it needs to be. The other one I love is the one which is, I think it's veal with, there's a car, there's a car up on blocks and there's a big square piece of, of ribs. I think it's a veal ribs or, which is wrapped up. And I, I love that. Two years after starting the River Cafe, Rose Gray and I were asked by a publisher to do a cookbook. We replied sternly that we were chefs, not writers, but the more we thought about it, we realized that being a chef is about communicating to the people who eat in your restaurant, to the people who cook in the restaurant, to your family, to your friends. Thirty years and twelve cookbooks later, We have just published our newest The River Cafe Lookbook for kids of all ages. It's a collaboration between a photographer, designers, and chefs. 
When you hold any book in your hands, there's a story to be told about how it was created. And that's what we're going to do on today's special episode of Ruthie's Table 4. Joseph Trevelli and Sean Wynne Owen are executive chefs at the River Cafe and co-authors of the River Cafe Lookbook. In the smartphone era, physical cookbooks offer something special and uniquely inspiring. As a kind of older adolescent, one of my first cookbooks was an Alistair Little cookbook. Maybe that began a path that led me here, I don't know, because it's that same generation. So it was Alistair Little, and then definitely on my 20th, I got the River Cafe cookbook. But there weren't these kind of children's cookbooks. I can't remember, I loved them all, like, um, Claudia Rodin's Food of Italy and Marcella Hazan and the Rue Brothers and people like that. With, I, I really enjoyed that French cooking. And actually, when I started being a chef, I thought, oh, I want to go and work in the Ritz in London and learn every single potato dish that exists. I always say I read the classics, but I've never read the classics. I've read the classic cookbooks. I've got children myself, and you know, my oldest, she is an avid cookbook reader. She'll sit in bed. The kind of cliche, I used to always joke, you say, you know, I sit in bed and read cookbooks and don't cook for them sometimes, not that much her all the time you know so she has all these books some of which I find completely horrifying loads and loads of sugar icing but not just uh, she also really enjoys the silver spoon Italian cookbook and she'll sit there reading through and then you know quotes measurements to me (laughs) which is quite funny yeah we're starting to cook now and you know we'll be leading up to this book I think pretty quickly to be honest it's really good because It's going to open her eyes to a whole bunch of new things. At the heart of the book, of course, are the recipes, Sean Winnowen and Joseph Trevelli. We chose the recipes thinking about all the young people that we knew, what they'd like to eat, and a little bit, you know, because after all, we are parents, what we'd like them to eat. So we wanted to choose things that they'd find exciting, but nevertheless straightforward, not super challenging, but also not patronising. Yeah, it's what we would like to eat. And also there are recipes that you're never going to regret learning how to spatchcock chicken that you've grilled or cooked in milk or how to make a basic tomato risotto and then, you know, take from that, oh, I actually know how to make a risotto, maybe I'll try and do something different, you know. And so there are recipes that they're not children-fied. One of the things we wanted to do was do a book that was a chef's book for young people or latterly kids of all ages as if a chef was looking over your shoulder as opposed to it being kind of a step by step the thinking behind the tips was to give some pointers and to shine just a few kind of specific lights just to help that go smoothly i think it's really useful photography and design bring a cookbook to life Matthew Donaldson took all of the photographs in the book. I think the first thing that we really did together was the 30 years of the River Cafe cookbook. It was like an education, you know, to Mm. see every plate of food that was put in front of me. It just wasn't something that I was photographing and had photographed before or, oh, right, now we're doing pasta, it's got to look like this. I didn't have any preconceived ideas. The sort of minimal ethos and the architectural ethos, the colour made it incredibly easy for me because you, Joseph and Sean, you'd already taken away 
a lot of the things that would be fussy that would that I would be having to chop with that anybody else would be having to get rid of. So often you do photography and, and people want it to be styled. They want a lifestyle or they want a style. So that involves we need to have cutlery or or salt and pepper or we need flowers or we need although there was the, you know, that boards. big movement in the yeah. 70s and well the 80s I guess I think I'm always looking for um, what to take out of a photograph rather than what to add in I'm always I'm, I always always think that there's got to be something else we can get rid of I think and when you said to me we don't have knives and forks in our photographs I was so happy maybe a lot of those magazines and um, cookbooks were kind of aspirational that if you cooked a fabulous meal, people would be impressed or you could make it different, seem like you were a different lifestyle. And I think what Rose and I started with the first book and then we've continued is the idea that, you know, the immediacy of actually cooking something, putting it on a table and then taking a photograph of it. But I think one of the things before we get to River Cafe Lookbook is shadow. And not in every photograph, but there is the beautiful, beautiful use of shadow. And I was wondering, what is your thought in that? It's a control. I think it, if it's if it's always there, if, if you have one thing that is like a control a thing that makes all of the photographs sit together, it was a real environment. We had we were using real light, but I think that the the shadow really holds the image on the page. I think that if you've got a white plate on a white background or something you really need something it, it frames the image really in a way that it's allowed to be there it also you know particularly with, with the river cafe it suggests that there is sun and there is light and there is and it's optimistic and it makes you feel good it, it but it's not i don't think we would ever i might have done it a couple of times but the idea of having sunlight that's sort of dappled is going into a lifestyle thing it's putting ideas it's trying to make a mood that I don't ever really want to do that. I just want to present the things as simply as possible, you know, and that, you know, a plate of a dinner or lunch at the River Cafe is what it is. It really doesn't need any help from me. My name is Hamish. I am one of the chefs here at the River Cafe. So I'm having a look through the lookbook now. I'm thinking about maybe, uh, doing these uh, slowly roasted datterini tomatoes. I've got 750 grams of red and yellow datterini tomatoes, two cloves of garlic, two tablespoons of olive oil, 10 sprigs of thyme, sea salt and freshly ground pepper to season. I've preheated my oven to 150 degrees, which is gas mark two. I've just gone and washed uh, my red and yellow datarinis and then pricked them all with a toothpick. This stops them bursting when you're cooking them. It allows the juices to flow. Okay, so the third step after you've washed and pricked your uh, tomatoes is to put them into a bowl with the olive oil, the garlic and the thyme. And now I'm just tossing them around in the bowl and I'm gonna season them up fairly generously with uh, salt and pepper. Spread out your tomatoes now without overcrowding them onto a thin baking sheet. So now we're just gonna put them into our preheated oven for about an hour and an hour and a half. Mm. 
Mm. Oh, they're beautiful. Super simple, very delicious. Not too overpowering in any flavour, which is why they're quite delicate and lovely to have with many dishes. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How those are some recipes you think are so simple, but they're so good. Like simple cooking is actually maybe the best cooking. There's the cookbooks that are really challenging, and often not always. This can be disappointing because they're so challenging, and you get yourself in the right mess. You also don't maybe want to make so much mess that the rest of the times won't clearing up. You just need like the best of us few ingredients and just a little bit of knowledge and then you're away, you know, and I think that's what this kid's book is. I'm here today with Stephanie Dash and Anthony Michael the designers, art directors of everything in the River Cafe, but especially these beautiful books, River Cafe 30. And today what we're going to be talking about is the River Cafe Look book. The idea for having the book in two different sections came quite late in the day. The book started off as a cookbook for kids and was based around how kids might interact with making food. We would say, you know, as I say, buy a tomato, peel a tomato, squeeze a tomato, fry a tomato. And we're doing it. We, I think Anthony, Stephanie, all of us thought at a certain point it's been done before and probably done better than I could possibly do it. We just felt uncomfortable with that method. It was very process driven and we were doing it sort of a step by step. And then we did it and looked at it and it just looked no fun. And then worse than that, it looked patronising. So I think we all just looked at it and no, everyone disliked it. So it was back to the drawing board. In any creative process, there are moments when you feel stuck. What inspired the creation of the River Cafe lookbook was a pamphlet I was given created by an artist, a photographer, and two neurologists funded by the Nestle Foundation, pairing diverse images. Matthew Donaldson. Well, we didn't really know we were on to something, I don't think, until we had those books. There were books that you had at home that paired photographs together and they were done by a doctor and a, and a researcher for neurological patients to stimulate by putting pictures opposite each other like a picture of a baboon opposite of, I can't remember what's opposite the baboon picture but there would be a picture of a, of a building or something. Or something. Yeah. something clicked and something happened. I remember when Stephanie put two pictures together and one was a picture of some Stelline soup, like chicken soup, basically the, the soup that you're that in my house. So anyway, if anyone's ill, that's what they're given. Uh, tiny little pastas in in a chicken broth, and Stephanie put it opposite a photograph of a of a fire escape, which I'd photographed in Los Angeles in 2019. And I had been lying in bed in my hotel room, and I'd looked at that every day, and I'd just been very ill. And Stephanie, not knowing anything about the about, about these photographs or where they come from, had put the two together. And there was the view of the person who was recovering with the soup they should have been eating, the thing that they were looking at, and immediately there was something in it. We went from kind of teaching in a very small way how to cook to a kind of almost inspirational book. You know, how do you inspire somebody 
to cook, how do you inspire somebody to make a recipe? Mm. And we, you know, we thought it's not by perhaps having a photograph and then the recipe, because that could be intimidating or overwhelming, or you love the photograph, but then when you look at the recipe, it's like, well, maybe I won't. And so we did work on pairing photographs. Having worked with Matthew a lot, we knew his pictures very well. So we used the food pictures and then literally trawled through his Instagram, which was relentless job, and then matched the photographs. I mean, it was a, a really challenging process of how you put a vase of flowers next to a spaghetti vongolet or, you know, a, a Roman villa next to a plate of peas. It's easy. It's some, a, some were obvious. Some just felt mm-hmm. they, they, were, they were meant for each other, mm. that, that they, were, they were separated at birth. And then others you have to work out. Yeah. How would you like to describe what we're looking so at? So we're looking at a horse that's um, a Spanish decorated uh, dress horse and a plate of tomatoes in the same colours, all circles, all dots. The relationship is, is really about... Red and yellow, red and yellow. Yeah, I mean, it's a very obvious relationship. Yeah. But putting the two together and having food next to an image which has nothing to do with food. And I think that came really from... Think children have the amazing thing of whether they just are not. They're not programmed. They're not programmed to think plate on a food recipe next to the page, and they have this amazing. I think they're visual thinkers. I think they imagine things in pictures, and they don't necessarily need this perfect picture of the food and to copy it. And that's kind of what we didn't really want to do. So putting all the pictures together and doing that old juxtaposition just seemed to to work. But, it, but I don't think it's an, a, a specifically child-centric thing. I no. think a lot of adults think like that. And, it, and it's, it's, it's like lying on your back and looking at clouds and mm. seeing what you see in the clouds. Yeah. There's lots of things that, that children see, that we all see, so things that remind you of things. Like, so you, you, sometimes you look at a piece of polished wood and you can see figures in there or animals in there. And you, you make the shapes up because you're, I think your mind's searching all the time to, to see things, to recognise So when you present two images next to each other that have got an obvious relationship, you start to see the similarities and it can make you smile. And I think the the books, the original books that Ruthie was given have got a much more serious intent that they're they're meant to open up pathways in somebody's head um, that might have closed. But these are are just good fun. But it really, I mean, Ruthie was the... the, um, the instigator and the, the pusher. She she, she planted the idea of, and the concept of it, and then and then we sort of took it with Matthew's pictures. And, and strangely, we did the juxtaposition um, because I think Matthew probably there were his photographs, so us putting them together, and then we put them all together around the table, and everybody sit around. And Ruthie would change. We'd all then we at that point then we would all look at them and move them around until everyone was happy. Some liked one and not another but they're very they are very subjective some things are jarring and it, i imagine it's a bit like food as well so if you put two flavors together you sometimes think oh my god i can't eat that possibly but once you've had it a few times you think actually do you know what i really enjoy that sort of bitter and sweet or something i don't know so i think the pictures can do the same thing so i think that there are ones that are obvious couplings and then there are ones that you you have to learn to enjoy to like and then you decided that it should just be those photographs. The book, the first 100 pages of the book, let's say, I think it is 100 pages, should just be photographs. Do you have um, a page that you particularly love? I like the one I mentioned earlier with the Stellina because of that story. I do love the pink telephone with the sorbet because 
that picture, that pink telephone has been around knocking around my studio and drawers and computers for such a long time. And I'm so happy that it found a home and it just, it, it, it is exactly where it needs to be. It does, I mean, maybe I, I'm not allowed to say this, but when I do look through it and I have looked through it quite a lot lately, because obviously it's, you know, it's just arrived. And so curious to look at what we did. I think that it, make, it does make me, it makes me smile. And that can't be a bad thing. Not in a cookery book. Joseph Trevelli and Sean Winnowen are executive chefs in the River Cafe and co-authors of the River Cafe Lookbook. Every single picture of food we cooked ourselves, every single picture of the food we did, and it's as a recipe, it was taken in real time, wasn't it? It wasn't, wasn't styled as such. It was just out of the oven onto the plate. And then trying to select the image that went alongside it, that was maybe one of the hardest bits of the book because there was five of us. There was Anthony and Stephanie, Matthew, Ruthie, me, Joseph, and trying to get five people to agree on a, what p- picture sits opposite Spaghetti Vongole, for example, that probably took about a year. What's so nice, I think we've been talking recently, is about the way that, especially if you're a beginner cook and you get a picture and a recipe, you want to cook, you know, the picture, exactly. And what's lovely is that with with the juxtaposition of the pictures, you've got these two images and you get more of a kind of feeling or something. And, And then again, the recipe isn't right there. You've got to keep shuffling backwards and forwards. So I think that will give people the ability to cook better food, actually. One of the things we thought, I, I felt, having a, got a teenage kid, is how they, you know, giving them a book may not be the most popular present you buy a teenager. And so, you know, knowing how image-led they are, I like the idea of the fact it is almost like scrolling through Instagram, where you are getting a lot of images that are just mixed up and it's up to you how long you stay on a picture and then if you you know often some of the pictures you rest upon are actually not the food and you're like I like that picture of a telephone but I don't know why or you might hover over a picture of um, the ice cream in a bowl and think I want to make that but then also at the end you've got all the colours so you even if you just look at the book just because you like the colours it feels like it's you can use it in many ways but for me I was interested in trying to get a teenager to to enjoy it or to to want to own it as well and I thought you know maybe that that element of image 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 was might just get them to pick it up hi I'm Monica I'm a waitress at the river cafe I have the cookbook at home we only just got it so I haven't cooked from it but I'm hoping that when I do have a couple weeks spare that I can make the potatoes from it. Next to each of the pages, there's sort of a picture of kind of a visual comparison. As I flick through the book, I like the stairwell next to the Paranormatot. I think that the Paranormatot is a transporting experience, like a stairwell. I think when a lot of people come to the River Cafe, they really look forward to their desserts. I think the three probably most popular are the Paranormal Tart, the Lemon Tart, and the Chocolate Nemesis. I use cookbooks a lot. I think what makes the the River Cafe, some of the recipes so special is that they are accessible. One of the 
beauties of this book. And I think it was a challenge because you remember we had all the photographs and then how do we segue from these photographs into the recipes? You know, how do we do that? And we had black and white and white and black and we had this and that. And then one day you said two words to us and it was Baracus Airport. We used to have a client in Madrid and used to have to go to Madrid probably tw twice, three times a month. And I used to not like going to the meetings, but I used to love, love going to the airport. And I just <laughs> yeah. had really loved the airport and just loved landing and seeing the rainbow colours the, on the stanchions as you as you came in. And just always, it's always sort of stayed with me for a really long time. So then when we came to the rainbow, it all sort of came together and we actually used um, photographs and Richard's reference points for those colours. We'd done the images and we'd done the cover and we were trying to do the layout and then we were sitting in the private room, remember, and we were just talking about something. I can't, and the book didn't quite come together. We couldn't put our finger on what was missing. It felt like it had all this visual stuff, these great recipes, but this, somehow it was a bit of a disconnect. And we were just talking about, someone was being in Spain, Ruth was talking about Madrid Airport and how Richard had designed it with the colour, walked through different colour zones. And then we were like, Maybe we should do that with the book. And we didn't know whether it would work or not, because there's no way of testing it. So we didn't know whether there would be enough creep of the colour into the edges of the pages so that we would be able to, to make a rainbow out of all the text pages on the edge, because we like to paint the edges of books normally. Um, and when we discovered that we couldn't, for budgetary reasons, then, and the fact that we were... Time. We were, yes, we'd extended the, the time quite significantly... Um, we we were really hoping that this, this rainbow would appear. It was just so fun, and it just thought, oh, this is maybe what it needs, because, you know, it is also meant to be a, like a fun book, you know, and then it just brought it together. I felt like that was quite nice at the end. And so let's talk about the back of the book. I always say that the recipes from the writing of it, were, it's a book more of verbs than adjectives, so it's mix, stir, whisk, bake you know, plate, serve, it's all, it's very, it's very verbal, isn't it? That you have a verb saying what you have to do, not what you have to sort of think about. But, but that came from the fact that you, with your chefs, constantly craft these recipes to be as instructive as possible without being superfluous. There's no, there's, it's, it is utility in the fact that it's, it's very, very, it's, it's well crafted so that everything is, is done with the least amount of words to do give the maximum effect. And I think that's a real skill in itself. That's the kind of book that you could take off to college and just have it in, your, in a repertoire of, of just recipes that are so easy that you can take them with you through your young adult life as well or as a beginner. I suppose in this day and age where you can get so many meals delivered so easily or bought, you know... These are like ready meals, you know, ready for your teenager to <laughs> take to college with them. <laughs> My favourite thing about the book is the fact that, you know, is the physical book, the fact that it's a book, it's not, you know, it's obviously completely visual, but it's not an online thing. And, of course, you know, we're all cookbook fans, but this one, with the soft cover and the way it's bound, it just feels really nice in the hands. So I think my favourite thing about the book is the physical form. Because it's soft, it's a soft, it's soft back, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. So that feels quite good. I like the fact that it's, it, it reminds me of the restaurant in many ways because it's not just about the food, is it? Because the restaurant's about the design and the colour and the people and the way it makes you feel when you walk through the door. I think that book is very much 
not one thing, it's many things. And it feels a bit like where the River Cafe is today. Also, having been involved with the production of a few books now, um, this is the one that I just, you know, having, you know, we've lived with it for a couple of years. I just happy to keep picking it up and keep looking through it and scrolling through it. You know, I really enjoy it. And I think, I mean, Anthony and Stephanie, the designers, are just unparalleled. Yeah, I was going to say that I think this is a very good example. It's incredibly long process and I think we did 186 different versions of this book but I will I will say when we were very young designers we went to a lecture given by Milton Glaser the probably most famous graphic designer of all time and he showed us his work and everybody it was an auditorium of designers sitting there in awe this man at the end he said I'll just give you one piece of advice he said only work for people you like and at the end of the day that's a piece we've taken and we only ever work for people we like I think this is, I can't remember, is it, did we say it's our 12th or 13th or whatever cookbook? But I don't think I've ever given a book, and they've all been beautiful books, but I don't think I've ever handed a book to someone and said, look at the printing. Look at the quality of the printing in this book. <laughs> I usually say, look at the, I, you know, of course I do. I talked about the colors and I talk about the juxtaposition and everything we try to do to inspire children to cook. But what really and you really blew me away, and you did tell me this on the telephone quite a few times when we spoke, that you were preparing this book to be printed in the most um, rigorous way. And I know that you worked with the printers, you worked with someone who you felt was very, you know, I would say this book should get the Nobel Prize for printing. <laughs> I do really think that on matte paper to see the quality. Do you, do you feel that way? Or do you think it's just, and what did you do to get that? Stephanie's rigor again. There, there are things that you, you that as, as designers, you, you mustn't let go of. And some of, those is, uh, some of those are the process of preparing the materials in the best way you can. And I think we, we start off, like a recording, it's, the beginning material is always really important. Matthew's pictures are beautiful pictures. They're beautifully lit. They're so exquisite and we get beautiful files. To convert those files is a challenge, and the first couple of tranches of files we got through were, were not were not right. But Matthew went through individually and adjusted every single one, and then the next set we got through were a hundred times better. But it's it's again it's this doing things over the wire, doing things by Zoom, doing things digitally, where you're not sitting in a room with people. It's very hard to understand. There's lots of ways of interpreting the same material, but Matthew's the person to interpret it because they're his pictures, so he knew how he wanted them printed. It's the food, it's the cooks, it's the restaurant, it's the designers, it's the photographer, it's Ruthie. I think you can see everybody in that book, everyone that was involved. I don't think you can forget Richard in this. You know, when I first time I ever met him, when he said that thing, he said, Ruthie's, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly, but I think it's in the film that we made. Ruthie's a very good cook and I'm, I'm very good at eating. You know, there's this, you know, everyone's, every, every, I can't cook, but I can eat. And so everybody, whether they were at, actively involved or they were heavily influencing what was going on, we were all involved. And, and that brings me more joy than any of it, that we all got to do it together. He did. And I think, you know, I think that Richard loved the River Cafe. He loved food. He loved you, he loved your work, and I know that he would have loved this book. Thank you, Matthew. My pleasure. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated 
with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.